You're listening to Gifted with Sheila White, a podcast that will inspire you. Its purpose is to uplift and entertain creatives to pursue their passions through their gifts. Sheila White is a film and television producer, author, and entrepreneur. And in each episode, Sheila talks with gifted individuals about their journey and the lessons they've learned. It will also inspire you to make an impact, living your best purpose-driven life with clarity. And now, here's your host, Sheila White. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Gifted with Sheila White. I am so excited to be in studio today with my guest, Greg Robinson. And this is the man that is bad, has bandages and bullets and beyond. We're going to hear his story today. We're going to hear the memoir of Greg Robinson. He's an author and we're going to hear some of the gritty narrative of his struggles, the things he's went through in his life and the journey. Today, we want you to be able to get something from this conversation, to learn some things from this conversation, because his portal through time will show you how you can go from being a boy turning into a man. And there are a lot of you out there with challenges, different things going on in your life, but we want you to know today is the answer. This is your moment of impact. And so if you did not, if you have just tuned in, I want you to check out Road to Eternity. That's www.roadtoeternity.com road the number two eternity to get more information, more updates and more content each week. Now, my guest today, Mr. Robinson, he's had the odds stacked against him from birth and he shares his stories in his book, The Bad, The Bandages, The Bullets and Beyond. And this book has so much information in it. I mean, I'm just excited. We're going to deep sea dive and get into the nitty gritty uh, for Mr. Robinson's life because he went from being bad to being a preacher. We're going to hear about that too. So welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Miss White. You know, there's so much that we have to talk about, but I want to know, how did you get the name, the bad, the, the unbreakable man? Because you went through a lot in your lifetime from birth up until now, but they call you the unbreakable man. Why is that? Well, it was a name actually that was uh, God given. Mm. And uh, God gave me that name because of all the things that I had been through throughout my life and where he had taken me from to where I'm at at this particular moment. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, I want to go back to the early years. I want to go back to your backstory. Uh, Let's go back into where you little boy. um, Tell us about the mom and the dad and all of that, because that was the beginning of what took you down this journey that you're, that you've been on um, into your teen years and into your adult years. So what happened as a little boy with your mom and your dad in that relationship? Well, uh, my mother and father, like I said, I'm from Tampa, Florida. That's my hometown. Okay. Um, my mother and father never married. Mm. And the reason that they never married, um, they dated in high school, like, you know, most young couples do. Yeah. Um, he was a football player, <laughs> mom was a cheerleader, you know, yeah. the typical story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they met and they fell in love with each other. Mm. Uh, my mother became pregnant. And during my era, when I grew up, that was a no-no. There was no baby daddy, baby mama yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. So typically the daughters would disappear mm. and go live with an aunt or an uncle and those yep. kind of things. In, in those days. City. In those days, yeah. yes. Well, with us, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So the two families got together once they found out my mother was pregnant. Mm. And they sat and they talked. Okay. And uh, it was kind of cliche, but they were from two sides of the, of the track. 
two so, sides of the now what was right. your mom what was her her background she was a cheerleader my mom was she more like a little bit more affluent than your dad or it was the other way around oh we were we were just you know two poor families in the segregated south okay because you know i'm 55 now okay okay so i was the first one in my family to go to integrated schools oh now what was that experience like because a lot of people don't really realize today how it was back then so what was that like going into a school and you know, with all of the, I mean, the racism is bad now, but right. then what was that like going into? It was very rough and awkward. Okay. And a lot of times us kids, us black kids that yeah. came from the neighborhood uh-huh. and were both of these schools, what I found that I discovered, a lot of the issues that we were having was that we communicated differently. Oh, hmm. hmm. And what I, what I mean by that, mm-hmm. like if you, like I give you that. My okay. first day of school, I never forget. I was in the first grade. Okay. And my mother dropped me off, and I cried. I boohooed. I had no idea. She just dropped me off, and she was gone. Yeah, yeah. So they put us in line. They sent us all to the library in the first mm-hmm. grade class. Okay. And so when the library time was over, they told us to get in line again. Mm. Now, me being a child and my simple way of interpreting things, I got back into the front of the line where oh. the teacher had put me initially. Oh, okay, okay. We were supposed to be, you know, first come, first serve, who right. would be learning you line yeah. up. Yeah. And I had a, another little boy who was Caucasian okay. who pushed me. And I pushed him back, and he pushed again, and I popped him. Oh. So then, now next thing you know, I'm getting in trouble with the teacher. Or why? Anyway, he mm. pushed me, and mm-hmm. I was supposed to be in like first grade. For this first grade, yeah, yeah, first yeah. day of school. Mm. That's a good way to start off. Wow, wow. And uh, and so that was this that was the situation. Mm-hmm. And then once they sat down and talked to us, it goes back to communication. We communicated differently. Mm. They, they didn't explain it to me. I yeah. didn't know that I was supposed to just. Wow. Well, I'm like, this is where you put me. So this is where I'm going back oh, to. Oh, I in see. In my mind. In your mind. Right. In right. my mind, it was yeah. a little more. I didn't know. You know, that's really interesting because you talk about communication back then. But mm-hmm. we're still having problems today with communication because mm-hmm. there's a breakdown. Even in the school system, there's a mm-hmm. breakdown with communication today. Um, in the communities, there's a breakdown with communication. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a communication in the politics. You know, today, it seems like that's a prevailing problem that we still have in the home. Yes, ma'am. Uh, it's, it's a problem. Yes, ma'am. You know, to, to um, no one really sits down. Mm-hmm. How should I put it? And talk to each other. Okay. Understanding the other person. Right, right. Like, for me growing up, and again, in the neighborhood where mm. I grew up in the South, mm. you knew that if you went into stores in a white area town, mm-hmm. you were taught from a little boy, from a little boy, oh. kids on up, that there was two standards if you were black. Okay, okay. Always two standards. Okay. You had the written and you had the unwritten. So mm. you knew that when you walked into the store, that you're automatically going to be singled out and watched. Wow, wow, wow. And we were always taught that don't put your hands in your pocket when you're in the store and we're shopping. Mm. And then they're going to think you stole something. Wow, so wow. So you, you keep your hands out. Wow. Um, you conducted yourself a certain way mm-hmm. because you didn't want to make your family mm. look bad. That's yeah. how we were as children. Yeah. It's not like now. And mm. if you approached an adult, it was Mr. or Miss. Okay. If they told you to call them by their first name. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Really the, interesting. The, the parents um, did not go against the teachers. Mm. If the teacher called, the parent knew that it was an issue. So what did you do to embarrass the family? Wow. Because you were taught better. Wow. Now when children go to school, it's, what did you do to my child? Mm. See, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's so a breakdown. Every, yes, it's yeah, a flip-flop. Yeah, very yeah, much so. Because there's parents that will actually come to the school almost and get into a fight 
yes. with the teacher for just touching their child, you right. know, let alone back in the day when they used to get uh, paddles or, and yeah, things like I, that. I, I got paddles in school till I was in eighth grade. And see, this is the thing. Uh, I think communication is so key and it's so important because a lot of people are getting turned around and mixed up because they just don't know how to communicate. So I think that's a really important thing to to bring out. If you're from a different yes, side of the neighborhood or a different city from yes, the south, of, there's a different way that people communicate and, and there's misunderstandings. Yes, and because of that, People are, you know, doing some things that they don't understand why this is happening to me. It's just because they didn't understand because of mm -hmm. the communication, that breakdown. Um, so as you went through later in life, you know, this was a start. <laughs> this is in first mm -hmm. grade. Yes, yes, I know that you didn't explain about your relationship with your mom, because I know she was a cheerleader. Your dad was a football player, but they well, did not get married, according to your book. My mom started drinking not long after she got got pregnant mm. because she couldn't marry my father. She started drinking in high school, you know. Okay, okay. And um, and that was her way of coping with the pain of not being able to marry the person mm -hmm. that she loves. Wow, wow. And uh, and it just continued and it just continued to yeah. the point to where any job that she held growing up was centered around alcohol. Wow. Bartender, wow. waitress. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, Those yeah. Those types of right, jobs. Right, 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 right. And there was always an uncle in the picture. Mm. Mm. who was not your father, but he was the uncle. Yeah, yeah. And so... Mm. Another man yeah, right, that would just right, step in. Right, yeah, right, another yeah. man. And my dad had went off to Vietnam, mm. and he married this other woman, and had never told her that he had a son. Wow. Because of the uh, direction from his parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was the secret child. Wow. And you're growing up with, in that particular time, with, with, with the different, um, you know, racism things that were going oh, yes, on. And then you're, you're, you're doing some things behaving in a way that, that, um, you know, a lot of people say, this is a bad kid, I but you know. just didn't have the love of a mother because she was right. so in my, her own world. Right. And so my grandmother stepped in mm -hmm. and she would, uh, she'd come pick me up on the weekend. Okay. And, and it got to the point where, um, I never forget my mother. I was eight years old, mm -hmm. I think eight or nine years old, somewhere in there. And my mother took me to my grandmother's house and said, would you keep him until I come back to get him? Wow. And, and she, she never came back. She never came back. Now, your grandmother, yeah. I just want to mention, because you talk about it a little bit. You talk about your grandmother being like the of the blues. <laughs> yes, you know, right. what do you mean by that? Your grandmother well, stepped in here. Your mother was dysfunctional with on alcohol and and doing some things. Yeah, they were always arguing and, and things. And, there's fights going on. We're talking about poverty. Um, as you, that you're growing up in dysfunction, yeah. but then yet your grandmother, your mom takes takes you over to your grandmother's house and say, just keep him till right, I come I was back. Very close to my grandma, and very she never close. comes back. Yeah, right. What type of grandmother did you have? I like to think I had a great grandmother. Okay, okay. Um, but then after learning the history of my family, yeah, it was yeah. funny because the way she treated me and conducted herself with me was almost the total opposite of the reputation that she had in the neighborhood. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, she was a, a black woman who was a divorcee. Divorcee, okay. Who had property. Mm. She held her own job. She was just like, you know, the uh, the movie that came out a few years ago, The Maids. Yeah, yeah, She yeah. was a maid. She worked for a rich white okay, family. Okay, okay. That's just how it was. Okay. Uh, she went to work every day. We never had a car, so she'd mm. take the bus to work. Okay. Take the bus home, and typically on a Friday evening after work, she she let me know. She'd tell me like that morning before I went to school, she's like, I'm I'm gonna stop I'm gonna stop by. So I might be an hour late. So she typically stopped by the bar. Oh okay. you know, winding down on the Right, Friday. right, right. And then uh she'd come home that evening, typically some friends would come over and okay. and they you know, like you see in the movies. Yeah. She she'd um 
Drinking cards. Yeah, yeah. She's she's sitting she's sitting on the front porch in our mm-hmm. old yeah. antebellum home style oh, home with okay. the screened in porch and mm-hmm. you got the friends and they're playing blues blues right. and jazz and the old party records that I won't talk about. Okay, okay. Um they wouldn't play the party records around me. Okay, okay, okay. But you know the blues and the jazz, right. gin or whatever drink they decided to have at that time and uh-huh. you know, and they do what people do and now, no, let me to ask you this about your grandmother, because nobody messed with your grandmother. She no. was a woman, but no. Why no. did they not mess with her? What was that part of that uh, reputation? Was my, like? my grandmother was, was she was a tough woman. <laughs> she was she she was she was short and stocky. OK. And, uh, you know, and you being a single woman, you had to learn how to take care of yourself. OK. And so, how did she do that? That's what I want you to bring I out. Know, I know. I <laughs> know. Because she, it's important because the well, grandmothers today are younger. Yes. And, and, you know, it's like babies having babies. Yeah. Well, she was known for uh, carrying a butcher knife in her purse. <laughs> and she would carry a twenty two uh, pistol in her bosom. Now, her see, bra. today we call that Medea. Okay, Medea has a gun. Okay, Medea right, has well, a gun. Well, I, I guess in the city of my grandmother was... The original you know, Medea. She, she was the original Medea, but... But I like to think in my mind, because you know, it's my grandmother. That was she just was, her grandmother. She, yeah, she wasn't as rough. Right, right. She right. was she was kind. She was yeah. loving. She taught me how to cook. She taught me how to sew. Mm. I can mend my stuff. She yeah. taught me how to wash. Wow. And when I say wash, I don't mean like today in a machine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you are talking about old fashioned? Old fashioned. Oh, put you know, scrub board or something. Yeah, when the washing machine wow. wouldn't work. Wow. We'd put the clothes in the tub, and mm-hmm. she'd have a washboard and some mm-hmm. Tide or whatever, and some wow. fabric wow. softener. And we take the clothes out in the basket and hang them on the line with clothespins. Wow, wow, wow. See, we're talking about <laughs> extreme poverty. Yes, ma'am. So what are some of the experiences that you had? You said your book is bad bandages. What were some of the bandages part of your life that you just kind of. The, the healing, the, the, as for me, that was part of my healing process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was uh, once I had left, once I had left home and I went to job, I had been homeless for a while, as you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah. And I went to job corps. Mm-hmm. The actual part of the healing process was when I got locked up in juvenile detention. So, so you were growing. They, they say growing up bad as a little kid because so many things were happening, and it's and it's still happening. There are kids growing up without a mother, without a father. They're on substance abuse, whether yeah, it's drugs this, or there's, alcohol. There's, there's so much. There's a lot, and and you then in, in the inner city, um, you know, just you don't have a role model. No, you, know? you don't. And, and so my my role models were. My friends' fathers, mm. or TV shows like The Huxtable, right, 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 things like that. So, right. um, kind of fast forwarding a little bit, because mm-hmm. um, you were a teenager and yes, you, you're just I'm, growing I'm, up I'm as a, a teenager, tough kid, and then you uh, drop out of school. Yep, I dropped out of school because I had uh, because I was kicked out of the house. Oh, um, out of your grandmother's just, house, or I was kicked out actually out of my aunt's house. We had moved from our to her traditional family home to live with our aunt because it was a better part of town. Okay, okay. And a newer portion, you know, oh, okay, the neighborhood okay. Mm. beginning to be integrated. Okay, okay. My aunt had a little money, you know, she had okay. a good job. My uncle had a good job. He was okay. getting on that too. Okay. And um, so I had been allowed to go to my first party. Mm. At 16, I had just turned 16, I'd maybe maybe a month or so. Mm. And I was invited by some Caucasian friends of mine. Okay, okay. And... During those days, you heard horror stories about different sections of town. And yeah, this is the place yeah. where they had the end lake. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, my good old boys and yeah, and yeah. things of that nature. So anyway, so I rode the bus home with uh, my friends. Mm. And I was the only black guy on the bus. Okay, okay. And so um, I got off the bus and I was waiting for them and everybody had disappeared. Mm. So here I am now in this white neighborhood that heard horror okay. stories about. Yeah. 
trying to keep my wits about me <laughs> um, and not get too nervous. And I yelled for my friends and nobody was around. Wow. So I ended up, I never forget, I ended up walking home mm. based upon the landmark of the bus route that we took to school. Oh, wow. wow. So I guess it was maybe a three mm. or four hour walk, walking down the expressway. It's like walking down 90 here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, taking like Cicero right, and right. the parts you could get off. Yeah, and then, you know, yeah. You'd, Walk on the streets, mm. neighborhoods I had no idea about. Wow, wow. But I did what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't like today you can pick up your cell phone right, and just call right. somebody. Yeah. It was, you had the pay phones that were on the corner. Yeah. And depending on where they were located at, you did not want to stop and use the phone. Oh, okay, okay. You know, white or black. Because right. now these folks were, what is this? Guy doing here. Over here. Oh, and they, okay. And you okay. know, they wasn't, they wasn't saying guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you're, 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 you were literally, just going through so much as a kid, getting to your teenage years, you drop out of school, yep. go and, to Job Corps, like you said in your book, trying to turn your life around. Yes, was there gang influences at that time? Because you're going through Oh, for sure. There were, were definitely gang influences, but it wasn't like what you see now. Okay. okay. Uh, this stuff that you see now is just, to me, it's just insane. It's horrible. Yeah. You, you had kids that were grouped together. Okay. Okay. They would do little petty, what I consider okay. to be petty stuff. Okay. Um, and fighting with their hands, with their yeah, fists. Yeah, fighting with their hands. There were no knives. Oh, there guns. were no okay. guns as mm. a whole. Okay. That was a okay. very rare okay. incident. There were even unwritten mm. codes. Mm. You know, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't do guns. You didn't do knives. Right, right. If we had a situation, he's going to duke it out. Right. You're going to do your hand with your <laughs> fist. That, yeah. that, that was the unwritten code. Right. And and nobody, you were saying nobody messed with you because you learned early on oh, yes, because I, of what I, you went through. Yes, ma'am. I don't mean to sound like, you know, yeah, I was yeah. a guy, but I, I, could, I, could, I could hold my own and take care of myself. So nobody just came up to you and pushed you around. That was no, it. No, ma'am. Well, they did initially, obviously, but that's how you built your reputation mm. for being pushed around and mm. showing that you can take care of yourself. Wow. And then once you establish that and folks would be hesitant because they knew that, oh, well, he's crazy. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, now, fine. Crazy meant something different in those days right. than it does now. Right, right, okay. Right, right. Yeah. You were no holes barred. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, the day they'd call that, you know, that'd be MMA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. Nowadays, if, you, if you're if you doing something like that, they say, um, you know, you, you watch out for this crazy. It's different. They're going to get a gun or just go ballistic or postal. We yes, call ma'am. it going postal. But yes, in those ma'am. days, it's like fighting. And you fight with your fists and that was pretty much it. Yes, ma'am. You did what you needed to do in order to make it. Wow. 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 So you have all this poverty going on. You have all this dysfunction going on because of the situation with your parents going through school, you know, dropping out of school and things like that. And um, you're just in all this, you know, what would you compare your life like then? I mean, because, you know, people because you went to the service and it was like. You know, it was like a relief to get to the service because you had a step up in a sense. But yes, what ma'am. was what was that transition of going to the service? Were you looking at that as a way out of, service, of all of that that you were the, going the, through? The, the service for me really was a, a way out. It okay. was my next step of making something of myself, knowing mm. that I didn't have to worry about just mm. living from day to day. And if yeah. I'd even be alive a wow. month from now. Wow. Because wow. things were so horrible. I, mm. I could tell you I would. Um, when I was homeless, then the first four or five months, I tried to stay in school. Wow. Um, you know, I'm, I'm washing up in a sink. You know, we mm. call it a sink bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reading by candlelight. 
Mm. Um, wow, wow, just rough. And just, yeah, and, just, and then trying to maintain, you don't want anybody to know that you're actually homeless per se. Mm. Wow, you that's, know? yeah, homeless was a part of your life as well yeah. because of what you were going through. Oh, yes, ma'am. You know, oh, yes, ma'am. You, you had a quote in your book that Albert Einstein said that you learn from yesterday, uh, live for today, and hope for tomorrow. Yes, ma'am. What does that mean to you now in <laughs> retrospect of your life that you've had? You've had this colorful past, all these things happening, all these things going on, um, thinking that there's no way out, but then yet you go to the service and that wasn't a bed of roses for you because you ended up with the P, is it PST? PTSD. PTSD. Yes, so now you had all this trauma, you into another stage of trauma. Um, what does that quote mean to you that Albert Einstein? It said? is just taking in the day that you have mm. and living it to the best of your ability. And then okay. your and then your hope is for tomorrow that you will actually see another day. Wow! 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 That's really that's really what your hope is that you'll see another day. Now, was there a time in your life that you came close to being incarcerated or, or just picked up by the law because there's so many things have happened oh, and yeah. you were dodging bullets and um, you know I don't know if you've ever been shot or anything before. But, I've never been shot. But you have I been. I have been shot at numerous times. Too many times to count. <laughs> too many times uh, to count. Too many times because to of count. the lifestyle. That you Not had. necessarily the lifestyle, but mm-hmm. well, but my life. Well, I can and then let me retract yeah. that statement because of my lifestyle in the military. Mm, I was okay. uh, what they call a Navy hospital, called basically an international the paramedic. Okay, okay. And okay. I served with the infantry for three years. Okay. And uh, and during my time, my job was to be the guy with basically no weapon and a medical bag, mm. who went out and uh, did the best I could with the people that were wounded or injured. Wow, wow. And that's one of the reasons why when you came out of that, what was it like when you came out of that serving time? And you know, you're trying to live um, life now. You thought this would turn around. Now you have other issues. Yeah, you know? and we didn't, I didn't really know I had issues in the beginning. Okay, okay. Um, because when you're around a group of men like that and mm. you go through a situation like that, these are your, uh, these are your comrades. You build mm. a camaraderie. Okay. And so you always look out for one another. And then now when you get out and you go into the civilian sector, okay, there's, for lack of a better word, there's no turn-off switch. Mm, wow. So you can't just turn off these instincts and these skills that you've learned over a long period of time. So now when you go out in public or you, you're doing different things, or you walk into a, a, a building, mm-hmm. you've got some, at least for me, I okay. had scenarios playing in my mind. Okay. So if you're I walk, watching and yeah, just, so if I walk up to a group of five individuals, I see them coming down the sidewalk, and then my instincts say they don't look too good. Okay, okay. I've already got a battle plan in my head on what I'm going to do before wow. they even approach me. Now, is that the same with the gang mentality? Would you say because you know they're seeing well nowadays they're just doing drive-bys and doing some crazy stuff. Oh but yes, ma'am. In their you, mind, their mentality is like, okay, I see someone coming. I got a game plan in my mind of what I'm going to do. Or, you right, know, they got like, certain colors and they're like, right, you got so, a red and black yes, or whatever right, it is. It's very much so. It, it's mm-hmm. like, well, well, what is this individual up to? Mm. What, am I, what does my gut feeling tell me about this individual? Okay. You know, you've never met him before. Wow. Wow. So you're, all, so you're always on in, guard. On guard in a combat mode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. in case. You know, you see a, you see a car mm-hmm. driving by slowly. I'm not going to stand there. I'm getting behind another car. Oh, I'm going inside. Okay. Now, how did you come out of that? Because that's a whole process of just, you know, like I said, it's all these things happening in your life. How did you come out of that stage? What helped me was uh, my salvation. Mm. 
And even that was a process. Wow. Wow. Um, and what happened when you said your salvation? Because you had the bad, the, the bandages, the bullets. the bullets, which is the military. Right. 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 And yeah. then you get to this point where you're like, okay, God, I have no other choice. I'm throwing right. my hands up. I well, just give my, oh, what was I, that experience um, like? I mean, here's the, the supreme power. You got all this power. You're yes, fighting, duking it out, yes, and jumping yeah, on people. Scare anybody, all that kind yeah, of stuff. not scared of nobody, you know. And yep. I, well, what I what I had what I had did, it, we, we laughed about it, my wife and I, because that's kind of a joke in our house. Mm-hmm. A lady came to work for me on a job I had in the, in the city at the time, and she was a sanctified woman, mm. and she would talk to me every so often about God, mm. and I really didn't want to hear it. And she told me one day, she said, "You know, if you, God told me something about you." And I said, what did God tell you? She said, well, said, God said, if you ever got your life together, you'd be a great man of God. Wow. I'm not going to tell you what I said. It wasn't very nice. <laughs> but irregardless, uh, moving forward some, I was telling a dirty joke upon the job. Okay. And in the midst of my dirty joke, she kept interrupting me. I was trying to get to my punchline. <laughs> and I got frustrated. She said, when are you going to come visit me in church? And finally, I just said, Fine, fine. I'll, I'll come for the church. Just let me get to my punchline. <laughs> but she knew I was old school. Yeah. And yeah. so now I knew that I had given my word. Mm. So now I had to fulfill my obligation. Okay. Even though I didn't want to. So I had determined in my mind that I was going to go to church, fulfill my obligation, and never come back. Because did you believe in God at this point in your life? I mean, because. To be honest with you, I, I won't say I didn't believe in God. I but mean, you I, knew I was, there was a God, but, yes, but you I didn't just, see him I, in your life anywhere. Not, no. No, I had just seen so much and did so many things, you know. Here I am, a, a 35-year-old man who felt yeah. like I was 50. Because mm, of the life I, that you yeah, lived. Yeah, I had lived so much yeah, and seen yeah. so many things at an early age. Mm, wow. But regardless, so I went to church, fulfilled my obligation, mm-hmm. and I got convicted. And I went two more times to church. And on the third visit, a little voice spoke to me, which mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what it, what it was at the time. I do yeah. now, obviously. Yeah. And I took my wife with me to church okay. and my baby, who's now 20, who's nine months old at the time. Mm. And um, after the service was over, the, right before the service ended, the pastor made what we call an altar call. Mm. And so when he made the altar call, I vaguely remember raising my hand, but I did. The sisters in the church watched the baby while she was in the car seat. So I went up. Wow. And then he made the altar call the second time and my wife came up and stood beside me. Mm. And then we got saved on the same day, which was June 15th of 2002. So today marks 20 years to the day. Wow. Wow. And um, and that was my beginning of salvation. Introduction to God. Oh, right, my introduction to God. Yeah, yeah. So when I got home that evening, mm-hmm. um, I remember I was taking my child upstairs because mm-hmm. my baby daughter wasn't even born yet. Oh, wow. And uh, I remember that I, I, I was going to pray in the crib and I told God, I said, well, let me, I want to make a deal with you. Mm. And I said that if you keep my child and not allow her to go through the thing that I went through in my life. I yeah. promise you that I'll serve you to the day that I die. That was my promise. Wow. To because you felt like you didn't want another person to go through the suffering. Oh, no, um, To go through what you went through. No, ma'am. No. And and so you're like bargaining with God. God, if you just keep. Right. Keep my child. Keep my please. child from all of the bad. Right. And, and the yes, bandages yes, and the bullets ma'am. and yes, all ma'am. of that. Because yes, living in the inner city, it's an everyday life for people. Yes, ma'am. You know, there's bullets. People, you know, come on the news all the time and they're saying, yes, you know, the bullets were flying and all of that. And they're seeing bad you know, and things like that. And um, being kids losing their life and things like that. So you would say, God, if you do this, 
then I'll be okay. Wow. wow. I didn't know it was actually the other way around at the time, but I was doing what I thought I needed to do for my family. Oh my goodness, my goodness. And, and I'm so happy that I did. I wow. no, now, it's not a, now it's not a matter of a deal. This is just who I am now. Wow. And you know, it's amazing because, you know, your life, Greg, has just turned around. You literally went from birth you know, your situation of coming oh, yes, into ma'am. the world wasn't a good situation. Yes, and so your life bad and bandages and bullets and beyond. Um, we're just about out of time. And what I want you to do is talk to someone out there that is experiencing the bad in their life. They're experiencing, um, you know, being battered and, 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 and beat up emotionally as well as, as, as physically. You know, what would you say to a young man out there um, to give him hope to know that you know, I was like you one day, but my life turned around, you know, speak to our audience out there and let them know well, what they can do to give them some resources to some hope. There's, there's so much. Mm. Um, well, first, you have to understand that there is hope. Mm. Regard, there are resources out there. Yeah. There are people that are willing to help. Uh, because what I learned early on is you have to address someone at their need. Wow. Um, and when I say their need, you, wow. you can't, I can't go to a young man and, and give him a, a Bible and say, well, God loves you. You need to get your life together. Mm-hmm. No, what I should be saying is, mm-hmm. are you hungry? Wow. What's your situation? Wow. Let's engage in some conversation. Right, right, right. Now, what, what, what's going on? Mm. And then as you talk and you engage, yeah. now we can establish a rapport. Mm. And, now wow. you can, and now you can begin the process of getting some help. Mm, okay. And but it's not nothing is instantaneous in life. Mm. It everything takes time. Takes time. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then after I shared my story, he's like, this guy really does get it. Wow. Wow. He's he's been where I'm at. He's been where I'm at, yeah. But yeah. if I didn't take the time to talk to him, he would dismiss me because all he would see if he saw me out of now, I see a shirt and a tie and a guy that's clean cut. So what do you know about my situation? Wow, wow. To know that I was just like you. Mm. And then as you talk, people can tell when you're genuine and you're sincere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They know when you're, you're being real. Right. It's right. not just a bunch of talk. I don't want any money from you. I just want to sit and talk with you. Wow. And then here's what I can do to help. Right. If you want my help. Or here's some resource or here. Here's my phone number. Give me a call. Right, right. Let's sit right. down and have a just just. Just have a talk. You hungry? Let's, come on, let's go get something to eat. Right. Now, how can our audience get a hold of you to get a, a copy of your book to for speaking engagements? Sure, sure. Uh, my email is uh, Greg Robinson at the Unbreakable Man Live. I know it's long, <laughs> um, but it's Greg Robinson, all one word, at the Unbreakable Man Live. And if you want to reach me by phone, I have no problem taking calls. It's 708 248 4847. I also have a website that's in progress, or it's a work in progress, and it's theunbreakableman.live. And um, I also uh, am a member of the Soul of the Spirit Church, uh, which is currently located uh, at the Oakland Hilton um, in in Oakland, Illinois, Mm. um, at the uh, just north of the intersection of 95th and Oakland. Mm. We just rent a, we currently just rent a banquet room that just the whole service because we're not a big church. Right, right. But we are in the process of getting our own building very soon within the next two weeks. So that'll be information coming. And uh, we hold our services from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Mm. 
Well, folks, we're just about out of time. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you did not hear this entire broadcast, I want you to visit our website mm -hmm. at www.roadthenumber2eternity.net. We've been talking to Greg Robinson. He has went through the bad. He's went through the bandages. He's went through the bullets. And now his life is beyond. You can get out of the situation that you're in. If you're in any one of these situations, the only thing you have to do is reach out. There is hope. We want you to know. Just remember that you are uniquely designed and yeah. strategically gifted. Use your gifts to impact the world. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Gifted with Sheila White. We hope you understand how your gifts can make an impact on the world. Gifted with Sheila White is produced by Road to Eternity, a film and television production company.